Welcome back to a Dead Letter Podcast, where we delve into the mysterious and unexplained phenomena that have fascinated humans for centuries. In today's episode, we will explore some of the most intriguing and spine-tingling aspects of the paranormal world. From ancient folklore to modern-day sightings, these phenomena have captured the imaginations of people across the globe and continue to spark curiosity and wonder in those who seek to understand the mysteries of the universe. So sit back, relax, and join us as we embark on a journey into the unknown, exploring some of the most fascinating and eerie aspects of the paranormal world. Happy holidays, guys. Um, this one's being recorded uh, pre-New Year's, uh, post-Christmas. Um, and today I'm actually joined by... Do you want me to call you by your name or do you want me to call you by like lovely M or some bullshit like that? No? By your name. So today I'm joined by uh, Maria. She'll be sitting in. Um, she is hooked up to the mic and headphones, so she'll probably have her input on these stories here or there. Um, do you have anything before we start? No. no? Just hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, yeah. And then um, I, I think I probably still have some uh, trailers to put up. Uh, they're probably going to come either at the beginning or at the end of the episode. I think so far I've been putting them at the beginning and at the end. So hopefully you guys have been staying in for those extra two to five minutes. <laughs> Some of those trailers are good. Oh, and also, uh, I guess, quick shout out to uh, the Conversation Cabin, also known as Sinister Studios. Um, I've been trying to upload your uh, trailer on there, but I think it's MP4, so it's not being taken by Audacity. So I've been shooting it out uh, verbally, so go check her out. Uh, it's hosted by the amazing uh, host, uh, Farrah Dawn. And uh, again, it's either the Conversation Cabin or uh, Sinister Studios, but check them out. They're uh, everywhere or anywhere you get your uh, podcasts. So today, I think we're, I'm going to start it off with a story from uh, my girlfriend, Donna Pinciani, or Laura Prepon, and you guys probably know her from that 70s show. I was living in this ranch house in Agora Hills with my boyfriend at the time. We were pretty isolated from everybody and decided it was best to move back to LA so it could be closer to our friends, family, and work. We found this beautiful English manor. We were checking out the house. The moment I entered the master bedroom, I knew something was off. It was colder than the rest of the house. I didn't like the vibe of the house, um, especially the master re- uh, the master bedroom. So they redid the master bedroom uh, to change the vibe in there. I guess while the master bedroom was being redone, um, they slept in one of their guest rooms. So the first major sign that they saw that they knew something was in the house was when they awoke to a loud bang while they were staying in the guest room. Uh, she had a dog. That was that, you know, she had never seen this, but I guess it was scared and it was cowering and she had never seen it do that before. So her boyfriend got up and grabbed his gun and decided to inspect the lower half of the house. And while he did that, she decided to inspect the upper half of the house. And I guess down the hallway, the first thing she was drawn to was a master bedroom. So she goes to it and she notices that the two sunroom doors were open and they were banging against the wall. But she was pretty sure she had locked them before they went to sleep. Fast forward to uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, Prepon uh, states that she was hanging out with her friends uh, and preparing the food when her and her friend hear a loud knock at the door. They also heard a woman's voice call out hello. So her friend goes and checks the door while, you know, uh, Prepon continues to prepare the food. Um, But her friend comes back puzzled and goes, you heard that, right? He's like, I went to check the door and there was nobody there, but we heard the hello. Uh, Then suddenly the radio that's upstairs turns on starts playing like loud music they get a little startled so they follow up the sound to the master bedroom and they look towards the sunroom 
and the sewing room doors, and it's right there. And it's the painter's uh, radio, the guys who are, like, redoing the master bedroom. And she's a little scared to uh, turn off the radio, but she does it eventually. And I think she ends up uh, trying to convince herself that, oh, he probably put, like, an alarm on the radio or something like that, and that's why it went off. So the following day, it's Thanksgiving. Um, her, her painter is finishing up work in the master bedroom, and she tells him about the incident last night. She goes, like, hey, man, you left the radio here, and I guess the alarm went off. And it scared us. And he goes like, oh, yeah, my bad. But um, my radio doesn't have an alarm. Um, but um, he's like, I've been meaning to tell you this, but you have an older woman in this room. And, you know, I didn't tell you this before because I didn't want to scare you. But, yeah, while we were working on here, we would see an older woman in there. And that scared her, you know, because uh, up until then, uh, nothing really has been confirmed. It's, they just had their suspicion. So later that day, two of her friends decided to check up the upstairs uh, and it's Thanksgiving, right? So she's hosting everybody downstairs. So she doesn't pay too much attention to it, and uh, she continues to serve her guests. And then she hears her two friends scream and rush down. So she heads towards the stairs and asks them what's wrong, and they go like, Laura, Laura, you're not going to believe this, but we just saw an older woman in your bedroom. So I guess her friend refers her to her mom who has experience with dealing, these thing, uh, dealing with these things, and I guess she walks her through a couple things, and she ends up, I guess, uh, working her you know, magic across the phone and she doesn't feel the presence of the older woman anymore. So is she like a medium that she can see over the phone? Like, Yeah. So, so I guess her friend's mom is like a medium, but yeah, I think her mom is like, like a medium or something, or she could see the other side. Um, and I guess she was telling her, Hey, you know, I've been, this shit's been going on. And her, I guess her friend goes like, yeah, I, I feel an older, older presence up there. It's definitely coming from the room. And it's like the previous owner, some bullshit like that. So she does like her thing. I think she tells her like, to um, go like this and say this while she does something on her end. Mm. And yeah, and after that, the, the thing goes away. But I mean, like the first signs are obviously the cold and the house right off the bat. Right off the bat. Right yeah. I would have been scared. I, was, I would not go up there by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and also going back to the knocking on the door, did any, was anybody there? Oh, no, no, no. So, so while she was prepping the food, you know, they heard the the knock and then they heard the um, the friend want to go check. They heard the voice hello and the friends are like, you heard that, right? Because I opened the door and there was nobody there. So. Technically, you're not supposed to open the door. You're not supposed to respond to it yeah. saying yeah. hello. You know, mm -hmm. just don't pay attention to it because, yeah, you're inviting them. You're giving them the green light to come fuck up your life. Like, come inside. All right. So this one is, um, this one was sent in. Our parents moved to the U.S. for a better life. My parents, along with a couple uncles and aunts, made the harsh journey to the America. They ended up settling their home in the southern parts of Texas. Some of them found success there, but we weren't so lucky, so we ended up moving one more time. My parents wound up in Fresno, California. We've been there ever since. Fast forward to 2016, and my parents were apartment hunting while they saved to buy a home. We moved into our new apartment, and everything was normal. I can honestly say for the first six months, it was your typical Mexican home. But as the end of the year approached, my uncle, my father's brother, would tease the idea of returning home. He would say that living in the North, the USA, just wasn't what he thought it would be. Hey, man, I believe you. It's just stuff over here. He would tell my dad that the years of struggling only to barely own a car wasn't enough to keep him here. By New Year's, he had made his plans to return back to Monterrey. We entered the New Year without my uncle living with us anymore. It took some time to get used to not seeing him anymore, but after some time, we got over it. At about the three-month mark, we started experiencing some strange things at the house. The first was we began to lose things. 
I would place my keys on the bowl we had at the door, and I would go to restore them later that day, and they would be gone. I would search the place for, for them, only to find them either in my closet or underneath my bed. The, se- the second thing that started happening was we started to get a night visitor. My bedroom was the closest to the front door, so when the night knocking started, I was the first one there to open the door. I would get up and check from, from my window and see no one at the door. This went on for nights. On one particular occasion, I decided to get up and check. I first checked out the window and saw no one, so I decided I had enough and would post by the door to see who it was when they would knock again. The second knock came, and I immediately looked out the people and saw someone that looked like my uncle. Overwhelmed with joy, I opened the door to greet him and found no one. I looked around for a bit, thinking he might be hiding nearby, but found no one. I was alone outside my house. I got spooked, so I rushed back in and shut the door. The nightly knocks weren't the only strange occurrences that were happening. Our next-door neighbor told us one morning that when he would come home at midnight or later, he would see a man standing outside our front door. He said he called out to the man once and received no response. He then said he was watching the man for a couple minutes before he just vanished into thin air. That's when he knew this was no man and we were dealing with something not from this plane. Upon hearing this, I told my parents what I had been experiencing. They thought it was odd and took it as a sign that something bad had happened to my uncle, so they called him. My uncle answered and he confirmed he was in no danger and that everything was good. The activity stopped for a bit after we began to pray every week as we felt our connection to God was waning but returned as any time we would forget to pray. We kept in contact with our uncle and our grandparents who were currently living with my uncle in Monterrey. Our grandparents later let slip out that my uncle had made new friends in the current business he was running over there. They didn't like the new people he was hanging out with as they would have him bring home strange statues and different idols. But speaking of knocking, I think I told you earlier uh, when I got out the shower, because I think when I was brushing my teeth, I heard like three knocks on your door. So I was like, is that you? And then when I saw that you were fixing shit, I was like, okay, it was you. <laughs> I was like, damn, you know, yeah, I, I was like, let me open the door real quick, let that phone in. <laughs> uh, sounds like your uncle became some kind of pollero, nah, or some shit. <laughs> nah, you know? polleros are people that cross people. Yeah, but <sighs> those who have, you know, they, they also do like weird dealings, you know. Well, I for safe passage across. Yeah. Well, yeah, that too. But I'm wondering if like he left all that negative energy at their house, you know, and that they were dealing with all these energies now. That's I mean, cool. probably, but I mean, I think they, they, that that just started happening once that dude left or something. Like that. Well, the duendes. Was it the duendes one? Where you you leave one thing in one place and then next thing you know. Oh yeah, they'd be fucking with your shit. Yeah. yeah, it could be that. It could be that. You know, some kind of poultry guys doing the bullshit. So wait, yeah. is that the end of the story? That was the end of the story. That one. Oh. All right, this is uh, story number two. In my youth, my father had inherited a house from his grandfather. The house was nestled by the mountains. Each day brought a new adventure. The air was crisp, carrying the scent of trees and bushes. My childhood memories were filled with climbing trees, chasing the cattle around, and the echoing laughter of my siblings. Life was simple but rich. My parents had warned us about the dangers of straying too far from the house. They told us about the dangers that lurked in the wilderness. They told us about the witches we children, the dwarves that lured children away, and the lord of the mountains who rode on his black steed looking for an unfortunate soul to take. Speaking of that, if you guys have any stories of your grandfather, like throwing down with the devil at the mountains, please send them. I've been waiting for those. <laughs> I think I'm, I was telling myself, I think I'm going to start looking for um, those old folk tales of Mexican folklore of the dude that's poor. They go to the mountains, gets rich and like offers him his son or something and then doesn't want to give him away or something. 
But yeah, I was like, <sighs> and then the memes too, like, oh, cuando mi, mi abuelito me decía que te apotazas con el diablo. <laughs> and it's Master Roshi and Freezer or something. Wait, where does this take place? Uh, this one's uh, most definitely, oh, this one came from Mexico. Oh. Or at least I assume, I don't know. <laughs> they probably live over here now, you know. My paranormal encounter started when I was seven years old. The house wasn't small, but it had two rooms. I used to share the room with my brothers up until I couldn't sleep there anymore. Three kids in one room was a big cramp for me, I guess, and I ended up sleeping in the living room. In the living room, I had space to stretch and sleep how I wanted. On certain occasions, my dad would sleep near me. After many quiet nights, I awoke to a faint whistling. I didn't get startled just yet as I assumed it was just a passerby. The whistling got closer, and soon I could hear a horse snarl. Whoever was walking by was either on horseback or had a horse with them. The sounds would come closer and then farther until it would fade. This went on for a while that it became routine. I eventually got the courage and decided I would confront the visitor. I peeked out from my front door and saw the figure of a man on horseback walking along our makeshift fence line. He had a bluish, bluish glow to him. Fucking Ghost Rider. I, was gonna say. <laughs> I watched him until he faded into the mountainside. Being a kid, I was awestruck at what I had seen, so I decided I would do it again the following night. I told my father about what I saw and asked him if he knew who that man was. My father dismissed it, what I saw, and he told me I shouldn't be up so late. I knew that I had to show my father what I was talking about. Upon hearing the whistling, I rushed to wake my father up so he could see what I would see. My father woke up grumpy, but I pushed him up. I walked him towards the door and opened it. It took him a moment to adjust to the dark, but he did. I told him, look over there at the edge, at the edge of the fence towards the figure. Do you see him? My father squinted and focused in the direction of where the figure was. He gasped and shut the door immediately. He picked me up and took me to the bedroom. He was acting weird and it was scaring me. I asked him what was going on and he said nothing. He tucked me into bed and told me to go to sleep. That morning, we found my father in the living room. Apparently, he was up all night making sure that mysterious figure did not come into our home. I asked him again if anything was wrong, and he said nothing. I wasn't allowed to sleep in the living room anymore. I stopped hearing the whistling, and I no longer saw the figure until one night I woke up thirsty. I walked over to the living room and heard the familiar sound of a horse snarling. I glanced toward the kitchen window and saw the figure on his horse. The figure looked extremely angry, and upon making eye contact, it became acting erratic. The horse was jumping and kicking the wall. It looked like he was trying to tear the wall down. I thought the figure was trying to come inside and take me. Seeing the figure's evil, demon almost demonic face so close filled me with fear and I ran back to the room. I buried myself under the sheets and went to sleep. The next morning, I overheard my father talking about the strange shard hoof footprints outside our house. He said they started at the front of the house and led to the back by the kitchen window and continued until they stopped a few feet leading towards the mountain. Es el jinete de Brokeback Mountain. You think so? No, nah, I don't know. It has to be some kind of... Well, I mean, you know what that is. I'm sure that Dan knew, you know, because he, he didn't want to disclose that information. Yeah, yeah. Pretty Go sure. Back to sleep, you know? it, yeah, what, what I'm thinking, like if he got that house from his, from his grandpa or his dad, I'm pretty sure he, the, the dad used to see that shit you know himself and he probably thought like I'm not gonna see you no more or probably forgot about it or and then, uh, they did a pact or something you know? or something it's following, yeah. you know? now it's following that too now it's following my kid yeah El Secreto de las Montañas <laughs> <laughs> maybe question the story you know? Let, let's see yeah. we want answers give me some answers 
like a follow up. Yeah, yeah follow up. That would be nice, you know. Yeah, because I feel like this could also be um. Like, there's always a route to. Like just some random dude. <laughs> You know, it was probably his land before his grandpa's, you know, got it. And he was probably the caretaker or like the original landlord, you know. Or maybe they just want to rest, you know. They, they're out there one day. Or there's gold nearby, you know. <laughs> now then why would they be, um, like, bothering them, you know. He's like, go get my fucking gold. <laughs> go spend it. Go spend it on hookers and whores. He would. Yeah. No, I think for that it would be like a dream, no? I think. That's more uh, closer to the the myth. I mean, I don't know. I usually damn, look at fifty six and nineteen. Horrible. Yeah, we're also watching it, you know shit. NFL Sunday Ticket here in Baltimore's Estando Verga, in Miami, fifty six nineteen. Hi, immortal. I am a carpenter, handyman, or whatever you want to call it. My paranormal experience happened while I was hired to repair doors at a church that had been there for near a century. I was tasked with fixing a couple doors that were weathered by time. I took the job, but I'm not going to deny that I wasn't a little hesitant. We all know churches, in particular old ones, have their own cemeteries, can be quite eerie and unsettling. Not wanting to risk it, I scheduled the job for an early 9 a.m. That should give me enough work time during the day when there's plenty of sunlight. I arrived and I was escorted to the problematic doors. Once I was left alone, the eerie and quietness of the church began to sink in. It was pretty dark. Even though there was still sunlight, the only additional light source provided were the assortment of candles that were scattered about the church. Undeterred, I began to work. I began dismantling the door to reveal its old and broken inner workings. As I was tightening the screws and fixing the creaking hinges, I noticed that something was blocking the light of the candles to the right of me. I turned to look, expecting to see the parishioner there. But there was no one. The candles were still on, and that's all I needed to know. This went on a couple more times, like a game of cat and mouse. I had just finished working on the door and was about to close it when a gust of wind came out from the room into the church. I went in to see if the room had windows, but it did not. I arrived to the conclusion that it was the air pressure in the space or something similar to that. I closed the door and took three steps forward in the direction when I noticed the candles were out. Before I could take the next step, I was grabbed by the shoulders and pulled back that I landed on my back. The scary part is that the upper half landed inside the room that I had just closed. So I dusted myself off and I headed out. I told the parishioner that I had an emergency and I would have to finish. <laughs> I guess that's a still way. I told the prisoner that I had an emergency and would have to finish the other door tomorrow. He was a little upset about, but understood. I ran out and went home. That night I couldn't sleep. I kept tossing and turning. I began sweating profusely more than I ever had and decided to shower. It was around 1 a.m. I decided to turn the TV on to calm my nerves and I was able to fall asleep. The following day I was able to finish the other door without anything strange happening. I don't know if anything followed me from the first day, but I haven't had any issues sleeping. Churches are creepy. They are. Yeah, you probably were attacked by one of those altar boys from the past. <laughs> oh, that's pretty bad to say. But it's cool. Uh, you know, I think this is probably my first. No, it's like the second church story, right? Because I think the first one, uh, the homies sent in were one that's like near our house where they would have retreats, I think. And uh, the people there, they, they would send them to like the bell tower and they would see like a man, like a shadow of a man. And they would come out screaming. 
Um, yeah, but personally, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it was probably one of the first parishioners of the church or whatever you want to call those people that work there. I mean, that's the first time I hear or say that word. I had to look it up. Same, <laughs> you know? I just looked it up too. Was yeah, like, what's a parishioner? I think those people, either the main priests or people that, the, that manage that, you know? Um, because I know back then, sometimes where they would build churches, they, they would bury their saints or their first uh, um, saintly people there. Like they would bury them underneath. Uh, so you probably working on the churches probably pissed them off because they're like, you know, I fucking worked on that church. In the well, band. don't you have to ask for permission, you know? like Probably when you enter a new spot. Yeah. Especially. Especially, yeah. 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 That's it for today's episode of A Dead Letter. If you have a paranormal story to share, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me through the Instagram page A underscore dead underscore letter underscore podcast don't forget to like share and subscribe to the podcast until next time keep your mind open and sleep with one eye open